Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends of A Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or even also the link at top for online edition. You'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. On that same website, there's an option to subscribe to have both the daily lesson for the day and the text reading for the day sent to you from the Course in Miracles Society. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we begin a new chapter, Chapter 8, The Consistency of the Kingdom. We'll be reading the introduction and Section 2, Bargaining versus Healing. We're also mindful of our lesson today. There is no will but God's. And we'll stop at the top of the hour for a holy pause to consider this lesson. And if there's anyone who'd like to consider leading our reflection this morning, that would be very welcome. Uh, by way of opening this morning, I was led by a pretty direct course to this poem from Hafiz. It goes like this. <laughs> I sometimes forget that I was created for joy. My mind is too busy, my heart is too heavy for me to remember that I have been called to dance, the sacred dance of life. I was created to smile, to love, to be lifted up and to lift others up. Oh, sacred one, untangle my feet from all that ensnares. Free my soul that we might dance and that our dancing might be contagious. Hmm. There is no will but God's. And amen. Amen. Oh, yes. Let's dance. <laughs> that poem makes me feel pretty happy. Anyway, I'm glad you liked it. Okay, my friends, here's our reading list this morning. We have Harrison, Donna, Robin Marie, Sandra, Lemoyne, and Karen. And we're joined in listening this morning by Ida. And that's all I see so far. Uh, so we'll see if we aren't joined as we go along. And let's go ahead and get started then in Chapter 8, The Consistency of the Kingdom, with Section 1, Introduction. The creative power of both God and his creations is limitless. But they are not in reciprocal relationship. You do communicate fully with God as he does with you. This is an ongoing process in which you share. And because you share it, you are inspired to create like God. Yet in creation, you are not in reciprocal relation to God since he created you but you did not create him. We've already said that only in this respect your creative power differs from his. Even in this world, there is a parallel. Parents give birth to children, but children do not give birth to parents. They do, however, give birth to their children and thus give birth as their parents do. Now, Harrison, The consistency of the kingdom 
introduction. The creative power of both God and his creations is limitless, but they are not in reciprocal relationship. You do communicate fully with God as he does with you. This is an ongoing process in which you share. And because you share it, you are inspired to create like God. Yet in creation, you're not in reciprocal relation to God since he created you, but you did not create him. We have already said that only in this respect your creative power differs from his. Even in this world, there is a parallel. Parents give birth to children, but children do not give birth to parents. They do, however, give birth to their children and thus give birth as their parents do. Two, if you created God and he created you, the kingdom could not increase through its own created thought. Creation would therefore be limited and you would not be co-creators with God. As God's creative thought proceeds from him to you, so must your creative thought proceed from you to your creations. Only in this way can all creative power extend outward. God's accomplishments are not yours, but yours are like he created the sonship and you increase it. You have the power to add to the kingdom, but not to add to the creator of the kingdom. You claim this power when you become vigilant only for God and his kingdom. By accepting this power as yours, you have learned to be what you are. Thank you, Harrison. And Donna. Two. If you created God and he created you, the kingdom could not increase through its own creative thought. Creation would therefore be limited, and you would not be co-creators with God. As God's creative thought proceeds from him to you, so must your creative thought proceed from you to your creations. Only in this way can all creative power extend outward. God's accomplishments are not yours, but yours are like his. He created the sonship, and you increase it. 
You have the power to add to the kingdom, but not to add to the creator of the kingdom. You claim his power when you become vigilant only for God and his kingdom. By accepting this power as yours, you have learned to be what you are. Three. Your creations belong in you as you belong in God. You are part of God as your sons are part of his sons. To create is to love. Love extends outward simply because it cannot be contained. Being limitless, it does not stop. It creates forever, but not in time. God's creations have always been because he has always been. Your creations have always been because you can create only as God creates. Eternity is yours because he created you eternal. Thank you, Donna. And Rob Marie, if you'd like to do paragraph three and roll right into section two, please. Three, your creations belong in you as you belong in God. You are part of God as your sons are part of his sons. To create is to love. Love extends outward simply because it cannot be contained. Being limitless, it does not stop. It creates forever, but not in time. God's creations have always been because he has always been. Your creations have always been because you can create only as God creates. Eternity is yours because he created you eternal. Chapter 7, The Consistency of the Kingdom. 2. Bargaining versus Healing. 4. The ego demands reciprocal rights because it is competitive rather than loving. It is always willing to make a, quote, deal, unquote. But it cannot understand that to be like another means that no deals are possible. To gain, you must give not bargain. To bargain is to limit giving, and this is not God's will. To will with God is to create like him. God does not limit his gifts in any way. You are his gifts, and so your gifts must be like his. Your gifts to the kingdom must be like his gifts to you. Thank you, Robin Marie and Sandra. Chapter 7, The Consistency of the Kingdom. 2, Bargaining versus Healing. Paragraph 4, The ego demands reciprocal rights because it is competitive rather than loving. It is always willing to make a deal but it cannot understand that to be like another means that no deals are possible. To gain, you must give, 
not bargain. To bargain is to limit giving, and this is not God's will. The will with God is to create like him. God does not limit his gifts in any way. You are his gifts, and so your gifts must be like his. Your gifts to the kingdom must be like his gifts to you. 5. I gave only love to the kingdom because I believed that was what I was. What you believe you are determines your gifts. And if God created you by extending himself as you, you can only extend yourself as he did. Only joy increases forever. Since joy and eternity are inseparable, God extends outward beyond limits and beyond time. And you who are co-creators with him extend his kingdom forever and beyond limit. Eternity is the indelible stamp of creation. The eternal are in peace and joy forever. Thank you, Sandra. And Lauren. I gave only love to the kingdom because I believed that was what I am or what I am. <laughs> I'm going to put that in present tense. <laughs> Try again. I gave only love to the kingdom because I believed that was what I was. What you believe you are determines your gifts. And if God created you by extending himself as you, you can only extend yourself as he did. Only joy increases forever, since joy and eternity are inseparable. God extends outward beyond limits and beyond time, and you who are co-creators with him extend his kingdom forever and beyond limits. Eternity is the indelible stamp of creation. The eternal are in peace and joy forever. To think like God is to share his certainty of what you are, and to create like him is to share the perfect love he shares with you. To this the Holy Spirit leads you, that your joy may be complete, because the kingdom of God is whole. We have said that the last step in the reawakening of knowledge is taken by God. This is true, but it's hard to explain in words because words are symbols and nothing that is true needs to be explained. However, the Holy Spirit has the task of translating the useless into the useful, the meaningless into the meaningful, and the temporary into the timeless. He can, therefore, tell you something about this last step, although this one you must know yourself, since by it you know what you are. This is your being. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Karen. Six. To think like God is to share his certainty 
of what you are. And to create like him is to share the perfect love he shares with you. To this the Holy Spirit leads you, that your joy may be complete, because the kingdom of God is whole. We have said that the last step in the reawakening of knowledge is taken by God. This is true, but it is hard to explain in words because words are symbols and nothing that is true needs to be explained. However, the Holy Spirit has the task of translating the useless into the useful, the meaningless into the meaningful, and the temporary into the timeless. He can therefore tell you something about this last step, although this one you must know yourself, since by it you know what you are. This is your being. Seven, God does not take steps because his accomplishments are not gradual. He does not teach because his creations are changeless. He does nothing last because he created first and for always. It must be understood that the word, quote, unquote, first, as applied to him, is not a timed concept. He is first in the sense that he is the first in the Holy Trinity itself. He is the prime creator because he created his co-creators. Because he did, time applies neither to him nor to what he created. The quote-unquote last step that God was said to take was therefore true in the beginning, is true now, and will be true forever. Thank you, Karen. And is there a new reader for 7 and 8? We're in Chapter 7, Paragraph 7 and 8. I can read if you like. I'd love that, Lila. Thank you. Um, You said paragraph seven? Yes, seven and eight. Okay. God does not take steps. His accomplishments are not gradual. He does not teach because his creations are changeless. He does nothing last because he created first and for always it must be understood that the word first as applied to him is not a time concept he is first in the sense that he is the first in the holy trinity itself he is the prime creator because he created his co-creations because he, I'm sorry, let me read that again. He is the prime creator because he created his co-creators. Because he did, time applies neither to him nor to what he created. The last 
step that God was said to take was therefore true in the beginning, is true now, and will be true forever. Eight, what is timeless is always there because it brings, because it, its being is eternally changeless. It does not change by increase because it was forever created to increase. If you perceive it as not increasing, you do not know what it is. You also do not know what created it or who he is. God does not reveal this to you because it was never hidden. His life, his light was never obscured because it is his will to share it. How can what is fully shared be withheld and then revealed? Thank you, Lana. And would there be another new reader for eight and nine? Okay, Harrison, back to you. Excuse me. What is timeless is always there because its being is eternally changeless. It does not change by increase because it was forever created to increase. If you perceive it as not increasing, you do not know what it is. You also do not know what created it or who he is. God does not reveal this to you because it was never hidden. His light was never obscured because it is his will to share it. How can what is fully shared be withheld and then revealed? Nine. To heal is the only kind of thinking in this world that resembles the thought of God. And because of the elements which they share can transfer to it. When a brother perceives himself as sick, he is perceiving himself as not whole and therefore in need. If you too see him this way, you are seeing him as if he were absent from the kingdom or separated from it, thus making the kingdom itself obscure to both of you. Sickness and separation are not of God, but the kingdom is. If you obscure the kingdom, you are perceiving what is not 
of God. Thank you, Harrison. And Donna, if you'd like to complete today with nine, please. Nine. To heal is the only kind of thinking in this world that resembles the thought of God and because of the elements which they share can transfer to it. When a brother perceives himself as sick, he is perceiving himself as not whole and therefore in need. If you too see him this way, you are seeing him as if he were absent from the kingdom or separated from it, thus making the kingdom itself obscure to both of you. Sickness and separation are not of God, but the kingdom is. If you obscure the kingdom, you are perceiving what is not of God. Thank you, Donna. And thank you, everyone, that read this morning. Um, I'll try and touch a few of the real highlighted thoughts uh, by way of summary, starting in paragraph one. You do, you do communicate fully with God as he does with you. This is an ongoing process in which you share, and because you share it, you are inspired to create like God. And two, as God's creative thought process proceeds from him to you, so must your creative thought proceed from you to your creations. Only in this way can all creative power extend outward. God's accomplishments are not yours, but yours are like his. He created the sonship, and you increase it. You have the power to add to the kingdom, but not to add to the creator of the kingdom. You claim this power when you become vigilant only for God and his kingdom. By accepting his power is yours, you have learned to be what you are. Three, to create is to love. Love extends outward simply because it cannot be contained. Being limitless, it does not stop. It creates forever. And four, to gain, you must give not bargain. To bargain is to limit giving, and this is not God's will. To will with God is to create like him. God does not limit his gifts in any way. You are his gifts, and so your gifts must be like his. Your gifts to the kingdom must be like his gifts to you. And five, I gave only love to the kingdom because I believed that was what I was. What you believe you are determines your gifts. And if God created you by extending himself as you, you can only extend yourself as he did. In six, to think like God is to share his certainty of what you are. And to create like him is to share the perfect love he shares with you. The Holy Spirit has the task of translating the useless into the useful, the meaningless into the meaningful, and the temporary into the timeless. 
He can, therefore, tell you something about this last step, although this one you must know yourself, since by it you know what you are. This is your being. In seven, God does not take steps because his accomplishments are not gradual. The last step that God was said to take was therefore true in the beginning, is true now, and will be true forever. In eight, what is timeless was always there because its being is eternally changeless. It does not change by increase because it was created forever to increase. If you perceive it as not increasing, you do not know what it is. God does not reveal this to you because it was never hidden. His light was never obscured because it is his will to share it. And finally in nine, to heal is the only kind of thinking in this world that resembles the capital thought of God. And because of the elements which they share can transfer to it. When a brother perceives himself as sick, he is perceiving himself as not whole, and therefore in need. If you too see him this way, you are seeing him as if you were absent from the kingdom or separated from it, thus making the kingdom itself obscure to both of you. Sickness and separation are not of God, but the kingdom is. If you obscure the kingdom, you are perceiving what is not of God. Amen. And the floor is open for uh, about 10 minutes to the top of the hour where we'll pause and take a reflection on our lesson for the day. Unequivocal lesson number 74, there is no will but God's. So once again, I'll ask if in the few minutes remaining, someone would consider volunteering to leave that lesson this morning. Okay, the floor is open. Thank you for the summary, Lori. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Lori, for the summary. Good morning, it's Dan. Um, this morning earlier, I was I was meditating, and I just I just felt all this fear, and I thought, well, what is this fear? It was in relationship to like. Um, I was on a path with my first guru, and then suddenly, for some reason, I left him. I don't even know why or how that happened, and I derailed myself. And then I was with Amma, but when I was with Amma, I, I could never um, get over my my uh, trauma, PTSD triggers, because the environment was so triggering, and I didn't know how to work with it, and I didn't know... Um, the things that we learn in the course about disidentifying from the illusions. I didn't know that. And so there's a part of me that feels like, what if this doesn't work? And uh, the Course in Miracles won't work for me either. And it threw me back into a childhood memory of like being a good little girl and then one day something bad happened and I was not a, not a you know, innocent person anymore. And in those memories, there was all this fear. And I could identify the fear, but I couldn't under identify the problem at first. I couldn't identify what was, what was getting me stuck, you know. And then 
I started thinking about Jesus. And I have all of these grievances against Jesus because Christianity has been so horrific over history. When I studied world history and I studied about the Crusades and how they put people's heads on pikes, and then I studied the Inquisition, you know, and somewhere inside of my ego mind, I'm blaming Jesus for all of these things that happened in the ego illusion of the history of the world. And then there was this moment where the light came in and it said, all of this is based on the belief of separation. All of those problems, all of those conflicts are based on the belief that I'm separate from God, that I need to be restored to the light and I'm not created as God created me, which is changeless. And this reading says, I must know myself as God created me, as an extension of God. And God created us as an extension of love. It has nothing to do with all of those things that my ego mind has identified with as my past, my ego's past, or the world's past, or all the problems of the world. All, all of it is irrelevant. But it's so um, insidious and tricky sometimes because my mind slips back into feeling self-identified with the falsehood. But that's what this um, reading keeps telling me. You know, my belief in what I am is the question. All fear and all grief, grievances are based on separation and being a body. Um, anyway, thank you for listening to that. I'm complete. That is a very complete understanding. <laughs> Realization. Thank you, Karen. That was right lovely. On. Thank you. That was very helpful. Thank you, Karen. Yes, thank you. Helpful. This is Donna, and it is such a blessing to know we can only be blessed. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say that I'll, I will... Uh, I will uh, do the lesson, Laurie. Thank you. And um, thank you. Very well. And over the past, <clears throat> I guess, the week, as I read one through six, it kept coming to me about this is so enlightening. Is the best word I can use to think it was like oh, oh, just constantly oh, oh, oh. So when I got to seven, this is another one of those, I almost just didn't bother reading for some reason. So I guess that I could identify um, that as uh, and Jesus says through the Holy Spirit, we can follow one voice or another. So now I'm determining <laughs> that must have been this little ego that's still uh, laying within me thinking that I want to go that way and I do not. <clears throat> And then, as I began to read chapter 7, I got all the way halfway through 5. But immediately, I said, I can't even read this. I can't even look upon this. 
this is so holy. I can't even gather in myself how holy these words, this, this, the spirit of these words are. So that's what I basically got so far. And I, and I came to a section where we, we will read in the future. And it was totally unmarked. And when I tried to mark it to read it, I couldn't understand it. So that just goes in line with the holiness. So I am complete and very grateful to be among the chosen who chose to answer. I am complete. Oh, that was so full, Donna. Thank you very much. Thank you, Donna, for the blessing just now. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Thank you for being so eager and hungry for these words. Thank you. Well, maybe this pause is reflective of the fact that we're close enough to the top of the hour to um, reflect on our lesson this morning. So, Donna, uh, thank you for volunteering, and I'll turn it over to you. Thank you, Laurie. And the greatest thing that has come to me is that word bless and when you bless you not only bless but you're a blessing so it's this is very big in my own walk right now so lesson 74 there is no will but God's God's is the only will the belief that conflict is possible has gone as an expression of the will of God you have no goal but his the idea itself is wholly true therefore it cannot give rise to illusions six I am at peace my will and God's are one God wills peace for his son. Deal quickly with conflict thoughts. Tell yourself immediately, there is no will but God's. These conflict thoughts are meaningless. Nine, if there is one conflict area which seems particularly difficult to resolve, Single it out for special consideration. Think about it briefly, but very specifically. Identify the particular person or persons and the situation or situations involved 
and tell yourself, there is no will but God's. I share it with him. My conflict about anyone or anything cannot be real. After you have <clears throat> excuse me, after you have cleared your mind in this way, close your eyes and try to experience the peace to which your reality entitles you. Sink into it and feel it closing around you. There may be some temptation to mistake these attempts for withdrawal, but the difference is easily detected. If you are succeeding, you will feel a deep, a deep sense of joy and an increased alertness rather than a feeling of drowsiness and innervation. Joy characterizes peace. By this experience, will you recognize that you have reached it? Twelve. If you feel yourself slipping off into withdrawal, quickly repeat the idea for today and try again. Say to yourself, there is no will but God's. I seek his peace today. Let us think on this with God a moment. Fourteen, there is no will but God's. I seek his will today. Amen and amen and a prayer. Joy characterizes peace. I am an expression of God's will. God's goal is my goal. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you, Donna, and thank you for that closing prayer. Just beautiful. Amen. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Thank you. Thank you, Donna. This is Donna. I just have a side note here about paragraph 11 because this is what I was trying to say when I was saying when I opened today I didn't even want to read begin chapter 7. And this, this uh, temptation to withdrawal is a, a beautiful definition of that experience that I had. So that's what I referred to as ego before, just my own silliness. I am complete. Thank you, Donna. Just believe if I can be separate. Yep. Thank you.
it's Harrison. How I want to remember today's lesson uh, throughout the day. Uh, Think about the things I have to do and none of them seems to bring peace. Got to finish my taxes. Got to finish a week for now. And uh, all the thoughts about those to do um, bring conflict and fear and anxiety. Um, but I want to be at peace. Uh, and so um, I'm going to be practicing this. Thank you, Donna, for all the reminders. I'm complete. Thank you, Harrison. Hi, it's Lana. Um, There were a few lines in this reading today that really touched my heart. Uh, I love, Jesus can say so much in just a few words. Um, He's just a word master. But I think it's in paragraph five where Jesus says, God extending itself as you. So, you know, that, what a gorgeous answer to the question, who am I? Um, you know, which we all ask all the time, who am I? I am God extending itself as me. So, and it, it also points my mind to oneness and a shared identity in God. Um, he makes it clear that I didn't create myself. I'm a creation of God. But in that creation, I'm, I became one with him. And so, as the all of all that God is, you know, if who you are is everything that exists, and of course the love goes into this really beautifully too, um, relationship becomes the way that we become aware of our own existence. 
you know, if it wasn't for relationship, and I'm not just talking about with people, but um, relation, my relationship with the phone right now is connecting me to all of you. You know, so um, everything is relationship. So God being the all law to know itself, he uh, created a son that um, he could extend love to and continue on the creation. And um, it's so gorgeous to know that God extends itself through me as me. You know, so there, so it reminds me that there's no delineation between who God is and who I am. And, um, you know, so it's just very comforting. It's just very comforting to me to know that um, that's always, that's always true. And I, I think of eternity. What did, what did he say here? Um... What is timeless is always there. It's like I think of eternity as an always state of mind before we came in and broke it into segments. It was uh, always. It included what we call past, present, and future. It's just an always state of mind. And um, when he created me, I became part of that and one with that allness, that always. Um, and I become, I became blended in with the totality of God. Wow. You know, whenever I'm feeling down or unworthy or insufficient in some regard, I think, wow. <laughs> I'm the total- I, I am part of the totality of God. You know, and, and um, I just feel a surge of that divine energy coming out of my heart and and mind and extending out. And I love how um, as we were his creations, we create in his likeness um, by being a co-creator with him. And our creations, because we were created in his likeness, our creations are created in his likeness, which is which, of course, is love. So anyhow, um, every section of every chapter in this book um, serves to me to be just um, a gold mine, little gold nuggets in each one that um, just point my mind back to the truth. Wherever my mind was, you know, we tend to, to mind travel. You know, we never go anywhere, but the awareness, our awareness can travel all sorts of places, making fantasies and adventures, <laughs> frightening ourselves. But um, always is always here. And, and wherever I am when I begin a writing, I mean a reading, I always end up present. It, it just pulls me in to the always of it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll I'll shut up now. I'm complete. Thank you. Please, there's nothing to apologize for. That was just really, really wonderful. I love how you described that surge. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Lori. 
Hi, it's Chris listening, and thank you, Lana, for that beautiful share. Morning, Chris. Uh, thank you, Chris. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, this is Sandra, and um, the lesson, There Is No Will But God's, tells me that everything is in divine order. However, if I'm not feeling that through my peace and happiness, then I do have some options. I can, through my power of decision, choose to change my mind uh, by making a shift in my perception um, and uh, identifying with the mind of God rather than the egoic mind. I can do that. I can choose to do that. Or I can choose to just accept that this is God's will and I don't understand and I don't really know what's going on here but trust and rely on my relationship with God and accept that this is God's will for me. Or I can I have one more choice that I can do through my power of decision. I can take action I can do something so that I can be back in that place of peace and happiness knowing that there is no will but God. And I am an aspect of God and so I I accept I'm complete. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. Everyone for your shares. Was someone else beginning to share there? Here, there, and everywhere. <laughs> the placeless place where God is. And where am I at this morning? Um, I'm at home in the mind of God. I'm purely spirit, purely mind. You know, in doing the morning exercise, I, um, I'm in conflict with, with this image of a body. This body is, is an image that suffers pain. And, you know, I rocked and rolled with it in, in my sleep last night, and I woke up, and I, I could see clearly, could see so clearly through the eyes of Christ in my mind, the only part of, only part of my mind that's real that I know the will of God 
because I listen to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit tells me what God's will for me is. He tells me who and what and where I am and what God's will for me is. And this is how I know who and what and where I am and how to deal with false image of a body in the world and the world that it's at home in. That's not my home. I'm at home in the mind of God. What a big difference. There's a big difference in this. And the um, to heal, to heal is the only kind of thinking in this world that resembles the thought of God that my mind, God's mind, we share only the thoughts of the gifts that I share, the gifts of God himself, the peace, the joy, the happiness, the internal immortality, incapable of being touched or being hurt or being harmed or being afraid. This is my reality. My reality, my home is being in the mind of God, being in a state of grace forever. And I want to identify myself with my reality and truth. This is the truth. I am. I am. I am. The changelessness. My strength, my consistency, my constancy, my changeless state of incredible lightness of being. Joyful. Joyful and free. Hooey. Male conflict. I rocked and rolled myself half awake last night and you know the (laughs) the funny thing the world is a funny place and what appears and what seems to be um i also had the thought in the morning meditation that i will not be deceived by the perception of form the perception of form is deception i'm deceived by thinking and believing i'm in a body I am formless. I cannot be perceived. Who and what and where I am is formless and boundaryless, limitless. There's no ceiling to that happiness or joy. I want that. I want only that. I will to to be one with the will of God today. His 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 will is accomplished in me. I don't have to learn it. I just have to know to be it, accept it, recognize it. Realize it with vision, in truth, in one, in its totality, and not limit myself to this itty-bitty painful thing. Ooh-wee. Okay. Thanks. That's all, folks. The end. Oh, thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. I want that, too. Me, too. Yeah. Realize it. That's great. Thanks, Judy. Thank you, Judy. If I think I'm me, one person, separate and alone, that's a big uh, no-no, too. That's a big delusion because I'm not. I'm you, and I'm the oneness of everybody 
as the one son of God. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. This is Donna. The, the thing that popped out at me today on this and, and, and future readings of this chapter is where he refers, clearly I saw it this time. I don't know if he's ever done it again. In, in paragraph one he says, in this world. It's the first time that I see, uh, it's the first time that I, I see a clarity. And I just realized, oh, the na- I went, then the kingdom is, the word kingdom is used so much through our lesson. And then I just look up and see, oh, the consistency of the kingdom. But the, the thing that I see now that will keep things clear for me is he has now separated this idea in this world, and he uh, refers to the kingdom, so I guess it's they are diametrically opposed. I'm not sure if I'm using that word right or the definition. But for me, I now can say, oh, this is in the, this world, and what I need to be is in the kingdom of heaven, with the kingdom of heaven, as the kingdom of heaven, and the other place where he doesn't say in this world, but he's saying the same thing is paragraph three, but not in time. So he's also making it perfectly clear that the kingdom is of a quality. And maybe that's why I got this sense of such holiness this morning when I dared even read these words. The kingdom, the kingdom of God, the, uh, the prime creator uh, we're from that prime creator and we are the kingdom of God. And um, so that's what's ringing through me and everything is clearer to me now because, okay, in this world, in this world, in this world, and uh, love the kingdom, the kingdom of God, God is the kingdom, we are the kingdom, uh, is now ringing like a bell tolling in my head. I am complete and very grateful. That's beautiful, Donna. Thank <laughs> you very much. Thanks, Donna. I am, I am, I am. I love that. Thank you. This is Ida. I want to say that Jesus performed all those miracles 20 centuries ago, even raising himself and others from the dead. But perhaps his greatest miracle was authoring this book because he had to speak of things that were 
really hard to put into words. And he had to put them into words. And in the 1,500 or so pages, he is sharing it in different ways, in different perspectives at different times, so that he can reach everybody, as many people as possible, with these words, and also reach us in as many different ways as possible according to our different moods and our different ways of our that we use our ego minds, he has to talk to our mind of separation about oneness, you know? So, in fact, I'm having a hard time saying what I'm trying to say, but I think you know what I'm trying to say because, not because we're separated, but because we're one. So, we, uh, we have to give him a break. <laughs> Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. <laughs> Thanks, Ida. Mm-hmm. It's Thank so wonderful you, to be with like minds, isn't it? I mean, it's just so wonderful before starting our day to be able to uh, just place ourselves in the kingdom before we start this day. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it is. Thank you, Robin Marie. And I'm grateful for that blessing. as we start our day. Thank you so much. Honestly, my separate mind was freaking out before I got on the call, but as I joined my mind with you, that went away and I got, my mind got better. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. Mm, sweet. Thank you, Ida. Exactly the same thing happens to me. Just wonderful. Thank you. I'm reminded of that quote, you cannot find yourself alone. Um, and in the context that we share every morning. I'm so grateful that we make that real, the mind we share. You cannot find yourself alone. That, that's, you know, the whole of it, the whole, whole wholeness of the, and the totality that God is all in all. God is all in all. That the kingdom is here, is here, and now eternally, changelessly. And that we do have the eyes to see it. 
and the ears to hear it if we identify with the Christ consciousness, which reveals it to us. Letting go of the way of the ego, listening to the ego's way of thinking and perceiving the perception of form, perceiving illusions as real, letting go, letting go, letting go, that surrendering of everything I think I know about myself, who I think I am, who I thought I was in the past, letting go of every thought I ever learned of the past, every concept that I hold in, in my synthetic knowledge about the world. This is a virtual reality here, and we think it's we think that we're real, and we think that it's real. And we're denying God as being our oneness. Our, I am one with the mind of God in spirit and its totality. And I'm going to settle for being in a body, in a limited body. Confusion, the ego's confusion that the mind is in the body and limited by it. And it's so strong an illusion, and it's so strong a fixed belief that, I don't know, except by denying it and, 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 and simply resting and relaxing and letting it go, surrendering to, to God's will being perfect happiness and perfect peace and watching how egoic thoughts come up on behalf of making conflict and making war with what is. That God's reality is what's happening. And I have the eyes and, and the ears to see it and know it all as myself. Let's just relax. Who's got the power? Who's got the mind? <laughs> Jude has no mind that matters whatsoever. Ergo, there I go again. Thanks. I'm joyfully. <laughs> Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. It's Robin Marie. Just one last little thought before I go off is that I, I loved in this reading today that peace is joyous. And I'm going to be thinking about that as well today, that... You know, it's an exhilarated feeling. It's a it's a, a life giving peace is not just calm, but it's energized with so much um, joy. Hmm. Thank you. Inspired. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Robin Marie. Thank you, Robin Marie. It's a carbonated. <laughs> Thank you. Morning, Patricia. Hey, it's the living water. <laughs> Oh, yeah. 
That's true. That's, That's for true. sure. Yeah. Just like we water our plants, the soil, the living water nourishes our soil, which is our soul. There we go. Yeah, thanks, excited. And Patricia here with those bubbly words. Um, recently, just a constant um, when I've got the hose going ever in the garden, and I'm on a well and in California, but the constant applies to every moment. And the funniest thing, when the hose is going, it's telling me, Patricia, not one drop is lost. Don't worry. No, 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 no. And I look and see, and, and it's this uh, catching me with not one drop, no matter where you point it, no matter what pressure, high or low, no matter what you do, not one drop of water will ever be lost in this garden. And it just keeps saying, apply it now, honey. And with the water, you guys are reminding me. It's we're so watery and effervescent, and it's so delightful to get this tutor thing of the mind. Uh, not one drop is ever lost, no matter where it goes, no matter what you think. Not one drop. Thank you. Oh, that was beautiful, Patricia. Thank you. No loss, but only gain. Patricia Beth, I like that one too. I do something called neuroaerobics where I stir things up with words, kind of stretch the brain. And uh, nothing is ever lost is a really powerful one because if there is a second, like the curriculum today, you know, to catch it right away, if there's a hint that there's something being diminished here, I stop immediately. It's such a great retuner because if there's ever a perspective of a loss, then, I, then I'm not looking at I'm not seeing what I'm looking at. I'm running after something that's not there. And so it's just such a great sentence um, to catch it in the day and go, oh, I, either I'm going to see it differently or be quiet until I find out what's missing here that's giving me more. And a lot of it's just there. The more is the ability to look deeper and to love the mystery more than what might be seen. It's always more. 
I love that sentence, Laurie. Thank you. The good neuroaerobic thing. Mm. Thank you, Patricia. We all know that sometimes the silence is, has far more knowledge and far more expression in it than any words we could possibly say. <laughs> hmm. Well, there is a rumor around, Patricia here back again, that um, we are hearing everyone's thought right now. And some people that are more, I guess, energy sensitive are picking that up more frequently than others. But that there's an evolution here of knowing that the silence is even frightens people because we know that you hear our thoughts. I know you hear mine. And you know, your body knows that I hear every thought you all have, even when I'm not here. See, we know this. And isn't it great for tuning to knowing that? It's such a beautiful and challenging thing be able to be alive right now. Thank you, everyone. Yes, I wish Charles was here. I wish Charles were here. That's another illusion that Charles is not here. That's an ego illusion. He's here. He's here. He's only appearing to not be here in his physical form, that's all. (laughs) This is Donna. As I was studying um, this this, uh, chapter 7, a song came to me, and I just looked up in two different hymnals, but it's not in there, so maybe it was one made up in a church that I went to. But it's, uh, the words are, we are standing on holy ground, and I feel the Lord God all around. Yes, we're standing on holy ground. Oh, Lord, holy ground. And that brought me to mind about how uh, this being, blessing and blessing and being, I've had two absolutely extreme encounters. I'm not going to call them experiences. They were too holy. Where I had issues in two different situations. Before I entered physically into each one of those, I blessed it. I blessed everyone in the place and blessed the place. And when I went in, it was like I stepped into a different dimension. It was like, it was like literally in heaven because the same 
group of individuals behave like royalty was among them. And I don't mean that in the egoic way, but it's a word I have to use. And I do that now in everything I do. I bless it before I enter it. And if I leave, when I leave my house, I give the Holy Spirit my mind and bless and go. And I've had many encounters. There's my, life, my, uh, my post office has become a holy sanctuary for the Holy Spirit to do great work. I have these brief and possible encounters with, my, uh, with other brothers and sisters that not only blow me away, because I know what's going on because of uh, studying and, and now knowing that I know that I know that I know that I know that God is real and so am I and so are they. But I see it, quote unquote, physically affect their form and the atmosphere around them so this, I'm so grateful. <laughs> and I'm so glad that joy represents peace in the lesson today because Dr. Hora has a phrase that I think that's where he got it. He interpreted it this way. Gratitude is the door to joy. I am complete and, again, very grateful. Oh, thank you, Donna. And thanks for the words of that hymn. Thank you, Donna. Patricia here. I'll admit I've been sharing with a few others your post office stories. Carry on, my dear. I'm with you. Love your story. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Thanks, Patricia. God does extend himself, doesn't he? Indeed. Yes. He says it. Uh, reading that God created the sonship and you increase it. You have the power to add to the kingdom, but not to add to the creator of the kingdom. Uh, that's what we do when we spend love to each other. We increase the sonship. I'm complete. Thank you, Harrison. Well, thank you everyone for your shares this morning and and uh,
touching in with those experiences that make this reading so meaningful. Um, his job is to translate the meaningless to the meaningful. Don't you just love that? Somewhere else he says, the Holy Spirit's job is to interpret me to me. In that light, um, Karen, I really loved your share. My job is to know myself as God does. Um, I, I can only talk about my experience, and so that's that's what I'll do. There is no will but God's. It's this is an unequivocal lesson, and for most of the lesson, he talks about how it will felt in me when I realized this isn't that something that that the mind of Christ knows our mind so well that he can tell us in advance what the experience is like and lay it out as an invitation it just as an invitation and, and so many years uh, because of the way the way um, the way taught by so many religions um, was a legalistic and, and still is in many in many uh, places a legalistic interpretation of what the will of God means like do this do this do this do this and if you fail to do this or if you do other than this you violated God's will it's a takeaway kind of thing that understanding and so, having been conditioned that way, and I'm sure many of us have been, you know, in that legalistic, right is right, and wrong is wrong, and you, um, and when you fail to be on the right side, you've done wrong, um, in that dichotomous fashion, you know. Um, so, so for many years, there is no will but God's felt like. Uh, if I fail to accept this lesson, I'm going to um, somehow be violating. And if there's no will but God's, that means he's going to take something away from me. That notion of sacrifice that's so pervasive to accept God means I lose something. That's the nature of the ego. Um, it strives to get always driven by the notion that it has lost and uh, and so when I first started doing these lessons I I read there is no will but God's as a threat a threat of loss and sacrifice but in point of fact he wants me to realize that there is no will but God's is just truth it's just a fact and when I accept that fact some things will happen in my mind I will suddenly realize and maybe not so suddenly realize um, that if there's conflict it must be in my mind alone what mind is that 
What mind is that? If there's conflict, what mind is that? That part's not real. He says, if I'm experiencing conflict, I'm experiencing something not real. What's being brought to me as reality is being brought by a tiny fragment of my mind that believes it is outside the will of God. That little tiny bad idea, that little tiny collection of conditioned beliefs and thoughts, those little habits of um, telling me what I am and causing me to strive, all of that is unreal. And if I can accept there is no will but God, that unreality is just gone. And as a consequence of that unreality not being in my experience, uh, I'm inspired. Am I suddenly inspired? No. He says, you've always been inspired. And that's what this reading is, is saying. You've always been, always been in communication with God. Now, how can I, how can I, um, how do I, how do I interpret that, or how do I, how do I, um, what do I need to do to bring my mind to that place that you so um, tenderly touch, Donna, in your shares, that place of holiness? Tomorrow, I think, or maybe the next day, we'll read about the Holy Spirit is my lesson in forgetting so that I can remember better. And so in my experience, I'm going to say it like this. This is radical teaching. This is radical. To the ego, it's um, impossible. But to the truth, it's just the truth. And it is possible, I know it is, because it happened to me one day, uh, walking through a doorway. You know, isn't that weird how realizations come when I'm most undefended, moving place to place? Here comes this realization. Oh, God's will is mine. Not as a threat, but as an add to me. I have no need to fear, because... God's will is mine. There's nothing outside of God's will. What have I to be afraid of? What need I attack? Suddenly it's like, oh, for me anyway, it was, oh, oh, God's will is mine. And, um, and in my experience, it took... Um, it took life to teach me that. Every lesson, all things are lessons God would have me learn. Every every lesson where I met my weakness with his strength, I realized, oh. And those little experiences add up until one day I just realized, <laughs> wasn't it silly to think there was another will but God's? And this reading is like that to me. If, if there was a question, let's say, Let's say someone posed the question to me, what is this veil that they talk about? What is this veil that they talk about? Um, this reading answers that question. It's a veil that 
the little tiny mad ideas, the mistaken collection of beliefs and thoughts I had, put it up. I hung a veil with my separate mind. I hung a veil between God and my mind. But he says, right off in that first paragraph, communication is shared and ongoing. And when you realize that communication is shared and ongoing, you will be inspired to create like God, to create like God is to love. When you talk about, I loved how Robin Murray said, or I forget now, how we got to the place of talking about evanescence. When I realized that to, to create is to love, um, life teaches me that that love cannot not be shared because it's the nature of love to share. Love has subjects. And so um, God gave us relationship with each other as well as relationship with himself. We're in an ongoing vertical and horizontal relationship with God that involves communication. How? How do we communicate? Well, it turns out that love is the only idea that is one. Love is the only idea that is one. Because cooperation with it, he says, cooperation with love is the law of love. It requires subject. It requires other. So how does other and separation relate? Well, through love. (laughs) And that's the nature of God's communication. And when I learn that, it's like my will is God comes back to me through the back door. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, I didn't realize that. I didn't make real that. I've talked so many times about my lost years. It was it was the years where I believed in loss that love could be lost. That mistaken idea, uh, of course, caused me grief. Of course, what is grief but the nature uh, of the idea that love can be lost? But because I believe that, I made it my experience, and that's what we do with our mistaken ideas. We believe them, and then they make we make them our reality. By mistaken thoughts, I make it my reality, and. That's the nature of the veil. Someone asked me, what's the nature of the veil? The answer is these, these nine paragraphs. And to heal, to heal is to let that veil uh, fall down. In my experience, that veil falls down when I release my mistaken ideas of separation between my mind and God's between my mind and the mind of my brothers, the one mind that we share, it falls down when I release the idea that there is another kingdom but God's, that there's another time but God's, that there's another place than God's. To accept the atonement, I came to realize, is a, is a five-dimensional idea. It's a, it's a total idea. 
of oneness, oneness in my mind, oneness between my mind and God's mind, oneness between my mind and the life of all minds we share in creation. Oneness in terms of time is eternal, and oneness in the idea that there is no other place. Heaven is not some place you go to when you die, Lori, because you can't ever be outside the mind of God. To accept all that, to accept the atonement, is to accept that there is no will but God's, there is no love but God's, and there is no peace but God's. Those three things are unequivocal. And all of that, all of that, that totality, that fifth dimensional reality, is what happens when the veil I cast with my separate ideas be released. That's why he says, together we'll disappear into the presence beyond the veil. Not to be lost, but found. Not to be seen, but known. And knowing this, we'll know the purpose of the journey in the first place. And to me, that's um, the extension of God's ideas. And accepting that he makes himself manifest through me. What a privilege, huh? God doesn't reveal things because what was was never hidden except my mind that thought it was outside this great circle of light in which communication is ongoing, eternal, and everything given to love is eternal. No one's ever lost. Death is nothing except an idea I put in this line of seeming time. I, I put markers down and said, this is this, this is this. But when I let my mistaken ideas go, uh, I'm restored, uh, not as a person, but as the capital self we all share. That's communication and that's love to me and I'm complete. Thank you, Lori. Yeah, I wrote a really lovely piece this morning uh, by one of my, well, it was a translated piece by Mirabai Star uh, about Teresa of Avalon. And she talks about prayer and being in relation relationship with the beloved. And and she describes, I just love this because it so parallels this coming to know thing that we're invited into. But she talks about the interior castle. And in the interior castle, she, she goes through a description of what it's like uh, to we say fall deeper or uh, open more uh, totally 
in prayer to the mind of God. And in her description, uh, her interior castle has like seven, seven levels. And in a betrothal to the mind of Christ, we could call it Christ consciousness today. Um, but it's really, um, I really love to be aware of the fact that this urge, this urge to share, um, this urge to, I'd love to give you everything I know, this, that urge that we try to do with language that we so, uh, so ineptly try to do, <laughs> you know. Anyway, in her writings, in the seventh level of betrothal after that, she goes on in a long dissertation about, oh, if only all the sovereigns and rulers in this world knew um, about the communication and the will of God, there would be no, no war. There would be no conflict. There would be no... Um, there would be nothing except the urge to magnify his name, she says. And, um, and that impulse, that, that impulse to um, give words to something you'd love to share with somebody so that they could have it too, you know, um, I think is universal. I think that's, I think that's what, um, there is no will but God's is like. And my part, uh, my part is just to know that. He says, when you accept the atonement for yourself, um, you'll realize that you are forgiven and can forgive. You'll realize that by definition, you're a miracle worker. You'll realize that to sit and hold somebody's hand knowing what you know uh, is um, is an environment. It's a thing you take with you that extends without effort on your behalf, on my behalf. It it does all the work. This knowingness, and so to sit in somebody's presence, knowing this, um, he describes it as the power that is within you, but not of you. He says, your weakness, the ego's weakness, is God's strength. You know, so to just sit and know this, in later lessons he'll say, sit and know this, and the Holy Spirit will take these thoughts and magnify them all around the world and give them uh, to the ocean of consciousness that is the truth. And so to sit and know these thoughts extends the kingdom of God uh, by itself because of the nature of the Holy Spirit and the waves that are created and the consciousness that we share. Um, so the urge to do can be given to him too and let him take it where it needs to go and accept that when it can be shared, you'll know what to say or how to say it or what to do or how to do it. So... Um, those are some of my thoughts about the kingdom. Anyway, I'm complete.
Oh dear, I had no, no idea where the time went. Um, well, let's continue this call, but we'll end the recording here. And um, I guess we ended at this place for me today anyway. It's in chapter four. At the end, I am here only to be truly helpful. I am here to represent Christ who sent me. I do not have to worry about what to say or what to do because he who sent me will direct me. I am content to be, content to be wherever he wishes, knowing that he goes there with me. And I will be healed as I let him teach me to heal. And um, that's why we can't find ourselves alone, huh? Anyway, um, amen, and I'll end the recording, but not the call, okay? Because I know there's more to be said.